things. Well, if you can grab your Bibles tonight and open them up to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We are making our way through this book. I'm excited now to get to chapter 9. Let's go ahead and pray. Pray one more time with me. Lord God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for tonight. God, as we come before you, we give you the highest praise, Lord. We give you our worship, and we give you our attention as we open your word. And we ask, Jesus, that you would touch your word now. God, thank you that you have forgiven us, that you cleanse us. Thank you that we can come to you right now in in the righteousness that you give us, Lord. And that we can come to your feet, Lord, as Mary did, and gaze up at you and Listen to your word, and so we ask that you would speak right now. So here we are, Lord, with our heart attentive to you, God. Lord, as we focus in on you, God, change us tonight. Give us a word, and we pray for your anointing by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. July 20, 1969, at 10.17 a.m., it marks a milestone in history. Edwin Buzz Aldrin Jr. and Neil Armstrong were the first to land on the moon. Then at 4.56 p.m., Neil Armstrong uttered these famous words as he became the first man to step on the moon. Do you remember? That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. But wait. There's something that is not too well known is another first happened before Armstrong stepped on the moon. His partner, Buzz Aldrin, took communion on the moon for the very first time. About 12.30 p.m., Aldrin said, I'd like to take the opportunity to ask every person listening in, whoever and wherever they may be, to pause for a moment and contemplate the events of the past few hours, and give thanks in his or her own way. And then he actually took communion with the prepared communion kit that his pastor had prepared for him. So there was many firsts that day that happened. Well, tonight, as we continue in our study in the book of Luke, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples on their first mission to share the gospel, and they did it. They made it through. This is their first steps, and that's the title of our message tonight, First Steps. We're going to be studying Luke chapter 9 from verse 1 through 9 tonight. We're going to see the instructions, the involvement, and the influence, and how far that influence really went. So let's begin, number one, with the instructions, the instructions. Now, we're going to be covering verses 1 through 5 in this section. But take a look at verse 1, just the first part, and we'll pause. It says in verse 1, and he called the twelve together. We'll stop right there. We begin with Jesus calling the twelve to come and to give them a mission. They have been thinking about this training They've been training all this time with Jesus. He's probably about halfway through his ministry now. And these 12, these disciples, his closest disciples now, they've been traveling with Jesus. They've been learning from Jesus. They've been watching Jesus. They've been watching the ministry of how Jesus ministered. They're right there, firsthand, front row seat, right? Even helping out. 
And now the next step in their training, because they're going to be the ones who are going to carry on the work later, right? The next step of their discipleship is to go out on basically a short-term mission. So one day they're going to be carrying on the work after Jesus ascends. But now, right now, it's time for the training mission. Jesus did say in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And that's what he's doing here. That's what he's training them to be. So Jesus calls them in, gathers the twelve together, and gives them the instructions. And there's four points, four things that Jesus is going to give them. And number one, he tells them, go in power. Go in power. Look at verse 1 once again. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. So here's Jesus who gave the disciples the power to do the ministry. The power over the demons to cast them out. The power and authority over those demons to cast them out. And the power and authority to heal. They didn't go out in their own power or ability at all, but by the power of God. Power, you can think of it, is the ability to accomplish what God is calling them to do. Authority is the right to do it. So Jesus gave them both to the twelve as he prepared and called them to send them out on the mission. Notice, Jesus gave the same power and authority over all demons and to heal diseases just like him. It was his power, just like what he was doing, just like what they've been observing this whole time. Now they get to do that work of the ministry. They get to go out in Jesus' name and to go out with Jesus' power and authority. And we find here, God gives the ability to do God's work. Let me say that again. God gives the ability to do God's work work. I like how Warren Wiersbe put it. He wrote, his calling is also his enabling. If God has called you, he will equip you. If God has called you, he will enlighten you. If God has called you, he will encourage you. He will see you through. I love that word. Where God calls, right, he's going to provide. Where God calls, you to do something, to go somewhere, he's going to give that power to do it. And that's what we see here right away, that he's promising and telling the disciples. So, you know what, for me, you know what that means? God will never leave me hanging. <laughs> like, oh, Lord, you have me go here, but oh, wait, wait, how am I going to do this? Oh, Lord, you have me do this thing, or, or, or I'll go to this destination, or get together with this person, but wait, wait, how is this all going to work out? Well, God will never leave you hanging. He who calls you will give you the equipment and ability to do what you need to do. So the instructions, number one, Jesus says, go in power. Go in power. Second thing he says, go to preach. Go to preach. Look at verse 2. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So Jesus sends them out to proclaim the kingdom, to really preach the message of Christ, the gospel, why he came, what Jesus had been preaching already, what Jesus had been sharing, the love of God, 
how God loves them, cares for them, and then even showing and proving that love with the healings that were going on. That, that's what was going, going on hand in hand. And so the disciples were to go on with that message, with the confirmation of the healings that this is of God. So all the miracles of casting out of demons were going to be confirmations of him, of these disciples proclaiming the message of God's truth. So they are to preach the word of God. They are to preach the life-transforming message of Jesus. I like that. That's what they're going out to. What Jesus modeled, now they're going out to do that. It is the message of God that is so powerful, right? We understand that. It's God's word that is powerful. It's the gospel that is powerful. Remember how Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, if for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew and also to the Greek. So the disciples are to go out to preach God's word, confirming it with, those, with the authority and power that is given to them. But they go out in that authority and power of the word of God, preaching the truth, because that's what changes lives. They are not to go out preaching themselves, right? Or what their opinion is or what they think, but purely what Jesus had been preaching now, what he had modeled, they're going out to preach God's word, the truth of God, the gospel, basically. They are to go and preach in Jesus' name. And that's what it means to me. When I come here and, or when we share Christ, we're, we're, we're going out, right? In, in the name of Jesus, we're representing Him. And that's what they're doing. And that's what I feel like. And so you and I should be about sharing Jesus, not ourselves. Yeah? Oh, now what we think about this. Now, you know, I don't want to... There's so much stuff going on in this world. And Christians are getting into so many things. And I think sometimes we get lost. You know what we're about? We're about Jesus. We're not about this political view or, or this, this uh, political person. And of course, yeah, we stand for truth and what's biblical. But you know, the main thing we preach is Jesus. That the gospel can change lives. So the instructions, go in power, go to preach. And number three now, go with no provision. Go with no provision. So take a look here in verse 3 and 4. So Jesus says, And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from, and from there depart. So Jesus is saying, Hey, take nothing with you now. In other words, don't take any supplies, don't take any provision, just go out. No staff or like a walking stick. Even they use that for self-defense. No bag to carry any extra supplies. No bread. No extra bread there. No, no money for provision or for, for any kind of support or buying anything. And not two tunics. Take only what you're wearing and not an extra pair of clothes kind of idea there. So travel light. Trust God. And let him provide for you. Which also means, and that's what he talks about in verse 4, which also means whoever offers you their house to stay in, stay there. God set that up. God provided that. Don't like look to other people. Ah, oh, this isn't that great. I, anyone else want to give me a place to stay? 
I remember some guy, um, some, a minister was coming over this band, and, and uh, we had offered them a place, and, and I didn't hear from them. And he goes, oh, well, we, went, we got a better de- uh, offer. You know, I was like, okay, that's fine. Just let me know, though. They never let me know. It was, it was really kind of crazy. But Jesus is saying, basically, don't go like from place to place and looking for something better or maybe, maybe oh, find, finding more people to put you up. He goes, you know, where you go, just stay there. And when you leave, just leave from there. In other words, trust God in whatever place God puts you. Yeah? Let that be the place. Don't let it be about, oh, vacation, yeah. Oh, this is a nice hotel room. Or I like, oh, this room is even better. Let's go over here. Or, oh, I want to I stay over here. It's closer to the, 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 the Sea of Galilee. It's on shore, you know. No, don't, it's not about you or, or what you get. and You know, all of that. It's about whatever place God opened up for you. We are to make the mission the mission and not about our own preferences here so jesus is basically like trust god and totally rely upon god's provision whatever or wherever it may be and god will provide i think later on jesus asked them like didn't didn't you have everything you need and they're like yeah we had everything you know later on uh, we know that everything was provided for exactly what they needed. So Jesus is telling them in this particular mission, hey, no worries right now. Don't go with no provision. Hudson Taylor, that pioneer missionary to China, was one of my really great uh, heroes, missionaries. If you ever can read his biographies or books or stories, I, I re- highly recommend. Uh, he always sparks my heart. But he said this, Our Heavenly Father is, very ex- is a very experienced one. He knows very well that His children wake up with a good appetite every morning. He sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect He will send three million missionaries to China, but if He did, He would have ample means to sustain them all. Then he said this, this is a famous quote, by Hudson Taylor. Depend on it. God's work, done in God's way, will never lack God's supply. I love that. I love that. And I've seen that. I've experienced that in my own life. So know that today. Maybe this is a word for you. Maybe, maybe you're in a place where, oh, you're not sure. How is this going to work out? Uh, there's some future things coming up, but I'm not sure how that's going to happen. You know what? Let this be a word from the Lord that, no worries. Where God calls you, where God is sending you, in God's will, He will supply all your needs. So the instructions here, number one, go in power. Number two, go to preach. And number three, oh, number three was go with no provision. Now number four, go expecting problems. Go expecting problems. Verse five, and where, wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So lastly, Jesus is saying, well, wherever uh, that city or wherever that place you go to and they do not receive you. In other words, they reject Jesus. They reject the gospel. They reject what, what they're, they're preaching about, which is God's truth there. 
Then when it's time to leave, he says, you know what? Shake the dust off your feet. What does that mean? Well, that's a traditional gesture of Jews when they left a Gentile city. They did not want to take that unclean dirt home with them, right? So they, they, they shake the dust off their feet, yeah? And kind of a symbol of, oh, no, no, we want to be clean, you know, the Gentiles. And, you know, and we've talked about how the Jews kind of in a weird way, legalistic way, they were in that way. So that was just a traditional way they would leave a Gentile city, say if they're passing through or they had some business there. So here, Jesus saying in that same way, well, shake the dust off your feet in the symbol of like, well, you reject it? That's okay. It's, it's not on us. Think about this. In Matthew chapter 10, when uh, uh, in a parallel passage there, Jesus told the disciples when he sent them out to only go into the Jewish cities. So this is kind of interesting because if a Jewish town rejected the message of Jesus and they leave shaking their feet, it's like saying, oh, you guys are acting like the Gentiles, basically. Yeah. You, you guys are just like Gentiles. You know, you're rejecting God. So with this, Jesus is saying, look, expect the problem of rejection. There are going to be some problems here. But here's the thing. Don't let it stop you. Shake the dust off and just keep going. Go on to the next city. Go on to the next place where God has sovereignly sent you. Go keep preaching again. Don't let it stop you. Don't let it get you down. Yeah. Yeah. Just know, hey, they're, they're, they're just rejecting the message. Not necessarily the messenger. Now I was thinking about that. You know, when you go eat at a restaurant and you happen to maybe your, your food isn't that great, maybe it's some bad food, you might complain to the server and, 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 you know, but the thing is, it really wasn't their doing, right? It was the cook. It, any of your complaints should be directed to the cook. They're just bringing the food. They're not the cook. Which is to say, really, when people reject you for sharing Jesus... They're really like reacting to Jesus, right? The truth of Jesus, to Jesus himself. You're just a messenger, right? We just carry the message from God, and they don't like that message. They may attach us to that message, but ultimately, they're rejecting the message. So even if they reject that message, they're rejecting Jesus, really. So don't take it personally, and don't really let it stop you from your mission. Yeah? Don't let it stop you from what God has called you to do. This is normal. So Jesus is like, hey, last thing, go expecting problems. If they do, ah, shake the dust off, leave it there, keep going on. Jesus said in John 15, 20, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. So know that Jesus, the Lord God, is with you in this. Yeah, You're not alone. If you're rejected, if problems come up, persecution come up because, because of the message, they're doing this against Jesus. But don't let that stop you. Just shake it off. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Remember, we've been called 
to share Jesus. And there's going to be some who hear and some don't. And to me, you know what I think about? No, wherever God calls me, a mission trip, wherever God calls me, if, 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 if I, I'm, I'm at a store and an opportunity opens up, or, or sometimes I think about it this way. You know, we, we have church. People get involved. We take the time, you know, to do this. We invest in equipment, this. Or, or think about it like this. We, we, we do some outreach concert. And, and we put a lot of time, money, flyers, you know, setting things up, everything. We do an outreach concert. And sometimes, you know, we've done some where it's mainly just Christians who come. At the, oh, no, I really want to reach the lost. But you know what? For me, I always think in my mind, if just one person gets saved, it's worth everything. It's worth the thousands and thousands of dollars that that one person heard. Or even if, if we, we do an event, you know, but then people just walk away, you don't really see any hands, you know, but one, you know what, that's worth it to me. That one person, that their eternity is changed forever. That where they're going is changed forever. Isn't that worth everything in the world? Yeah? That a person's life is transformed and changed. And so we're going to face rejection. We're going to face these problems where God calls us. But you know, if God calls us somewhere in that, it's for one person, then hey, you know what? It's all worth it. It's all worth it. Because we save. God used us to save a life. Alright, well, these are the instructions for the first steps for the disciples. Let's go, in, go on now to number two, the involvement. The involvement. Now this is just verse 6 says here, And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So after Jesus gives the instructions, did they go? Yes. We see this in verse 6. They did go. Sometimes we're called to go, but sometimes we don't go. Sometimes we're called to say something, and sometimes we don't. But these 12, they did go. They departed. They went on the mission. They departed from Jesus and they went all out. In Mark chapter 6, verse 7, in another parallel passage, it says all the disciples went two by two, like Noah's Ark. (laughs) So you could think of the 12 disciples paired up. So six teams went out. They fanned out into all the area there, probably Galilee and all around, wherever they can go, however long, wherever Jesus sent them. But they all went. And they went through, it says here, the villages. Every town, every place they could go preaching. Not themselves, but obeying God, right? Preaching the word of God, the gospel. Preaching like Jesus preached. And healing, confirmation signs, healing, helping people. Not just uh, spiritually, but physically. Now God was using them to help People, And I like this word here in verse 6. Preaching the gospel and healing what? Everywhere. Everywhere. They went, wherever they went, that's what they did. Wherever, whatever they did, that's what they did. They went everywhere doing this. So the involvement was all 12. Not 11, not 10, all 12. And they shared Jesus everywhere. I love that word, you know? 
I love that. More and more, you know, it, it's on my heart. I want to share Jesus everywhere, yeah? Every time I can. I want to put God into the conversation if can. I want to pray for someone if, if I can, right? If, if, if I can, I'll talk about Jesus. Wherever, wherever God brings me, and if, if there's a conversation started, I'll, I like to try and I look for places where I can put in God or Jesus or, or prayer or, or some, something, yeah? To make, that might open the conversation up to lead them to Jesus and God's word and the gospel. But everywhere, the involvement was all 12 and they shared Jesus everywhere. A.M. Gort described sharing Jesus in this way. I like it. An evangelist is a nobody who is seeking to tell everybody about somebody who can help change anybody. Isn't that good? I love that. I'll say it again. An evangelist is a nobody who is seeking to tell everybody about somebody who can help change anybody. And who's that somebody? Jesus. Amen? Jesus. He's changed us, right? He's, he's transformed us. He's brought us here to this day, to who we are today. It's Jesus. We, we, can't, we couldn't do that on our own, right? Where he's calling you to serve him, where he's calling you as a, your mission, right? You cannot do that on your. It's Jesus who's transformed you, and I'm a nobody. But if G, if if Jesus, that somebody, can change a nobody, then he can change anybody, right? Amen. So all twelve went out everywhere to carry out the mission to share Jesus. And I love their obedience here. I love that they went out. If you want to turn to the left, to the end of Mark, Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And in Mark's gospel, this is the section where he's giving the commission to the disciples to, to be witnesses. And in Mark 16, verse 15, I want you to turn there because... I believe God is calling us more and more to go out. And I believe even as we're studying in Luke, these words are echoing in my mind. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, to everybody, every person that God has made. We are to go into all the world, to proclaim, to preach the gospel. So as you look at these words, this, this is the call for each one of you. You and I, we are called to share Jesus. And I say this because sometimes you think, well, I'm not that evangelist guy. I'm not Pastor Greg Laurie or Billy Graham. But you know, you know what? In our own way, we can share Jesus. We need to share Jesus. Ah, oh, I don't know, I'm kind of shy, but we have something in us that we should be sharing. We have something that God has done in us that we should be sharing with people. There should be a fire in our heart about Jesus, about Jesus in our life. I mean, I'll tell you, when you're excited about something, isn't that what you talk about, right? Oh, you know, uh, uh, today uh, Rory gave me some Ika, What's that? Tempura ika, 
dried ikakai, squid with some canola oil, some, some squid, yeah? And, you know, it was, it was kind of tasty. So I'm sharing it with you today. It was good. You got to get some, right? Right? So you discover something or you have something and you get excited about what do you do. You talk about it, right? Oh, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Let me tell you about this ika. Let me tell you about this dry squid, right? And you get into talking about it, right? Well, are you into Jesus? Is Jesus that important to you, exciting to you? You know, maybe it was, maybe he was, and it's not. You know, that should be burning in our heart. Oh, Jesus! You know, it's, uh, uh, let me share, share what's going on in my life. And you know what it was? Jesus came in my life. There should be that that kind of fire. We are to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to everyone. This is the call of God. We are to share Jesus. Christ. You know, um, the other church I was at in California and the other Calvary, and over the main doors going out, um, someone put up the sign. They made the sign and, and they got permission to put it up, but they put up the sign. And over the doors, the sign said, You are now entering the mission field. That's it, you guys. God is calling us on our mission. Yeah. God is calling us to go out and share Jesus. I mean, can you imagine? Disciples are pretty excited, right? I mean, they've seen Jesus preach. They're, uh, wow, that Jesus is changing their lives. And, and uh, they're seeing Jesus do all these things. And now Jesus is saying, okay, now, your turn. Training mission, you're going to go out. Short-term mission, go out, right? And Jesus even said, I'm going to give you the power to do it. You don't have to go there on your own. Well, he's, that's what he's telling us today. Go out. When you leave these doors, you're going on your mission. You know, I'm not going to leave you there. Yeah? I'm going to be right there with you. You'll see the Holy Spirit work. You'll, you'll be, be connected to me because I'll, I'll give you what to say. I'll open the doors for you. I'll give you that power. That's what Jesus is saying. He's calling us to be. You know, in John Fox's Fox's Book of Martyrs, it speaks of how in the early church, the apostles and the early Christians, they all were on a mission. That, that's how they, they looked at their witnessing. Uh, John Fox wrote, in, in that age, every Christian was a missionary. Do you like that? I like that because it, sometimes we think of a missionary as like, oh, Lena Naoko, yeah? They left Maui to go to Okinawa, to Miyako Island, a foreign country. Well, maybe not so foreign for Naoko, but, but still, you understand, right? We think missions is foreign soil, foreign country. We go out there, but you know what? Missions is really, as soon as we go out the door, yeah? Missions is, is, is our, our neighbor. Missions is, is our workplace. Missions is, is at school. Missions is where, where you shop. That's your missionary field. It's to everyone, right? And you go, what? Everywhere. That's what we read here. So that's the involvement that we need to have. And that's the first steps that these disciples took. Well, let's go to number three now. The influence. The influence. And uh, 
We're going to be finishing up the rest of our verses for tonight, and that's verse 7 through 9. So Luke now goes into this, and it's kind of interesting, but verse 7 says, Now Herod the Tectarch heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had been risen by the de- risen from the dead. But by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. So Herod, now, his full name really is Herod Antipas. His father was Herod the Great. If you remember, Herod the Great was the one who ordered all the babies in Bethlehem to be killed, right, after Jesus was born. That was his father. Well, his sons, um, after Herod died, his sons kind of took different parts of, of the, the area. And so Rome allowed them basically to be a tectarch. Tectarch. Anyway, you got it. Uh, it was a title for one of the four rulers of the districts there. And so this Herod, he was the one who had imprisoned John the Baptist. And that's who John is referring to here. He, uh, this Herod was the one who executed John. Remember, he was beheaded, right, at the request of his wife after all oh, the daughter dance and everything like that. And he made this, this pledge promise, basically. But John had been thrown in prison and executed, basically for speaking against Herod's adulterous marriage. That's, that's what's going on. Well, then Herod, in verse 7, that's why he was perplexed. He was like, wait, what's going on? Because John was dead already at this time. John the Baptist had been executed. And so he's perplexed because some people are saying, this is John the Baptist risen up from the dead. Who is he talking about? Jesus. All the things that Jesus is doing, he's going, wait, what's going on? Everyone knew John the Baptist was this prophet, great guy speaking for God. Now here's another guy, Jesus, and some are saying, oh, it's John the Baptist raised from the dead. So Herod's kind of like, wait, 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 what's going on? What, what's happening? Even, Luke writes here, some were saying that Elijah had appeared. Remember the prophecies that Elijah was to be the forerunner, which was actually John the Baptist, the type that he was. Some were even saying that it was one of the prophets of old, like Moses, maybe Jeremiah. Some people are thinking that, oh, maybe it's Isaiah who'd come back, yeah. And that Jesus is, is this, you know, raised up the Moses coming back again. And, and it was part of the idea that, oh, you know, before the Messiah comes, well, Moses will, will return. And, and we'll see in Revelation, I believe that Moses will appear. And so all this was going on. And so Herod's like, wait, what? what? I got to see Jesus for myself. I, I, I got to see this. So he sought here in verse 9 to see him, and that's Jesus. Now, why did Herod begin to really want to see Jesus? Well, two reasons. Number one, Herod's conscience was bothering him. That's the first reason. Herod's conscience was bothering him. You know, when Herod took John the Baptist into prison, he didn't kill him right away, right? I think he, he, he felt kind of guilty and everything, and I th- it bothered his conscience, you know, until... Um, the 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 daughter dance and everything. Your wife suggested to the daughter, "Hey, um, he says he'll give me anything. Well, give me John the Baptist's head on, on a platter." 
And so that bothered him. Anyway, he never killed John. Well, I think here's someone else, a recognized prophet, saying similar things, and it bothered him. So like an alarm, John's message made Herod's conscience just go off. Yeah? And it bothered him. So he had to see Jesus. He had, he had to, he had to uh, what's going on? i got to see what's going on here. A mother asked her son if he knew the difference between conscious, conscious, conscious and conscience. Her boy answered, yes, conscious is when you, you're aware of something, but conscience is when you wish you weren't. I like that. Well, that's what our conscience does, right? It's alarm. The Holy Spirit convicts us and our conscience tells us, that's wrong. That's wrong. Let's not ignore those alarms. And so here's Herod Hall. It's, it's bo- he's being bothered by this. He's got to see what's going on here. So Herod began to want to see Jesus. Why? Number one, Herod's conscience was bothering him. But number two, the message of Jesus had reached Herod. How did he know? How did he know what was going on? You see, this shows how effective the, the, effective the disciples were in their mission. Notice verse 7. It says that uh, um, now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening. He heard everything. He heard about everything Jesus was doing. And how's that? I believe it's because of the disciples. You see, in context, if you think about this, yeah, the, the disciples go out on the mission. They're, they're going out. And next thing, Herod hears all this stuff about Jesus. Next is really they come back and Jesus feeds the 5,000. So I, I was always thinking, well, why is this story like inserted in there? You know, I, I think it's part of the story we read from verse 1 through 6 of the disciples going out, the 12 going out. And it was because of them Herod heard what was going on. He heard about Jesus and what was happening. And, and that started him, you know, being perplexed and confused. What's going on? And his conscience bothered him. And so he wanted to go and see. Because of the influence of their obedience. And that's important. The thing about this, so the disciples carried out their mission so well that the message even reached this tetrarch, this ruler. Yeah. And it caused Herod to say, who is this guy? And isn't that what our witness should do, right? Isn't that what, what we, should, we should influence others? So people should be wondering, wait, wait, what, what, what is this they're talking about? What, God came to this earth, died on the cross? What, who's this Jesus? They, they should be sparked in their hearts to seek out Jesus, just as Herod sought to see Jesus. But remember, you can give a good testimony or you can give a bad testimony, right? We want to shine the light of Jesus so that they would be able to see their need for Jesus. We ought to show their need for Jesus in the good testimony. You know, a young salesman was disappointed when he lost his sale. He told the manager, 
I guess it proves that, that saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, the manager replied and said, your job is not uh, to get him to drink. Your job is to make him thirsty. I like that. And that's what we are to do. The disciples did such a great job in their mission that it reached Herod's ears and it made him thirsty to seek out Jesus. Listen, no, no matter how well or how bad you might do in, in sharing Jesus, every one of us must step out. No matter if you think, oh, I don't know if I can do this. You know, as we close here, I want to encourage you because God is calling us to go on a mission, to go on this mission, to share Jesus, each one of us, to do what we can. And maybe you think, ah, oh, I don't know if I, I can really do it, but you've got to step out and try. You know, even if, if you haven't done this for a long time or you never did, you know, you've got to step out. <laughs> God is calling us. You've you, you got to do that. You know, our, our granddaughter is now walking, right? He's walking. And she's really beginning to move fast now. <laughs> and it's all cute. And, and she's turning and, and almost, you know, getting to a real running stage. But it wasn't too long ago that she couldn't walk. It wasn't too long ago that she could crawl. She, she would pull herself up. It wasn't too long ago that she even tried a little bit, yeah? It wasn't too long ago that she started, but she was like, oh, like, whoa, wobbly, wobbly, and a couple steps, and that was it. But today, she's walking. And you can tell there's no turning back <laughs> at all. Well, we can be afraid of falling. We can be afraid of failing when it comes to sharing the gospel and maybe you might be a little wobbly at first. Maybe you might only be able to take a few steps. But remember, God will empower you. He'll give you that power and that authority, that right. We just got to get up and get going. And maybe that would be, well, that would be a, one of those firsts in your life. You know, there's many firsts in our life. I remember, yeah, not my, you know, right? I just like the baby. I, I, I don't remember, but you know, <laughs> hear the stories of trying to walk. But that I remember my first day of school. Oh, that was scary, yeah. But then later, well, it was wasn't a big deal. I remember the first time I drove, <laughs> right, with my 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 one of my parents in a car, yeah. Oh, that was scary. <laughs> yeah. But did I do it again? Yeah, I did. <laughs> and got to a point where, you know, I got my license and mom didn't have to be in a car anymore. I didn't want her there, you know, right? I mean, we have, we've had a lot of firsts in our life. But if you look back after those firsts, you can do it now, right? You're doing it now. You're driving now. You're walking. You're running. You're, you're doing all these things now. So, as God calls us in our mission, let's be bold. Let's step out. Let's hear the call and like the disciples, go out with our given mission and take the first steps. Let's pray.
God, thank you for speaking to us tonight, Lord, and stirring our hearts up. God, thank you for making it even possible for us to take a step, because we, we would not even be here without you, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we're grateful for the life you've given. And God, as we have surrendered our life to you, our life doesn't belong to you. You've actually purchased us with your blood. When you died on the cross, Lord, you paid the cost. And so now you're calling us, Lord. For many of us, Lord, maybe we've done it before, and maybe we do it, but maybe you're calling us to step out more. For some, maybe we've never really shared our testimony or shared our faith or even tried, thinking that, ah, it's for other people. But Jesus, you're telling us that it is for every Christian that we are to go out. And Lord, I know you don't just throw, throw, out, throw us out into the deep, Lord, but God, even if it's a training mission like these guys, Help us, Lord. Give us courage and the boldness to step up, to say a little word, to mention your name in a conversation, to maybe even pray for someone who's hurting. Whatever that mission is, Lord, we need your power and authority. We need need your ability, God, and we ask right now by your Spirit that you would come, Lord, Come upon us right now. I pray for everyone here who's connected, who's listening in right now, God, that you would fill us and anoint us with your Holy Spirit. And that we would go out, Lord, in your power. We would go out to share Jesus and preach Jesus. That we would go out, Lord, trusting in your provision in everything that we do, Lord. That we would go expecting problems, and even with that, it's all part, Lord of your, your purposes and plan in our life. God, that we would, we would make it all about you, Jesus, not about ourselves. And I think that's, that's the thing you're telling us, God, when we are too shame or shy or embarrassed, Lord, because we're making it about ourselves. But, Lord, we don't want it to be about ourselves anymore. We want our life to be about you and the message to be about you, Jesus. So, Lord, help us today as we hear your call, Lord. Move us, God, in our hearts, in our minds, and spark us, put a fire in our heart for what you're asking us to do. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.